We are joined today on the Wednesday Point by Larry Kagosik from community action groups that support the establishment of a homeless camp. And in just a couple of minutes, Sarah Connor, a homeless woman, will join us to talk about what it's like to be a woman on the streets in Central Oregon. Uh, Larry, welcome back to The Point. Uh, thanks for having me back. All right, so your passion to find a camp solution to homelessness in Central Oregon is boundless. How are the efforts to bring a homeless camp to Central Oregon going these days? Well, we have, uh, since uh, I've been here last, uh, we have made some progress. Um, we do have a 501c3 now. Uh, it is registered with the IRS, and so any contributions will be uh, tax-deductible, and uh, they would be made out to Sagewood Sanctuary and to uh, donate. Um, you would contact Pfeiffer & Associates. That's P-F-E-I-F-E-R, and associates, uh, you can find her company online, and uh, checks can be sent or delivered to, to her office. Um, and uh, so we have uh, raised some uh, a fair amount of money, actually, since uh, I last spoke to you. And we've made several efforts to either lease or have uh, property uh, lent to us and have come close a couple of times and uh, so I'm optimistic I think we will find some property and again we now have enough money to lease property if we have to too so we've made some progress so basically what you're saying Larry the the big barrier right now is the lack of having a, a place right. to put the camp right. yeah okay. we, we have the plan uh, we are ready to go we have we have applications for property still out there that are being considered. Uh, so uh, I do, again, feel optimistic that one of those organizations that have property will come through. But that is the sticking point. If anybody knows of some property that we could use, uh, it would be appreciated. And I would like to give my uh, specific, uh, if you uh, want to contact me, uh, it's at uh, L Kogosik, K-O-G-O-V-S-E-K, at iCloud.com. Or at 541-390-1351, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get this thing going. Would you mind saying that number again a little more slowly? Yeah, 541-390-1351. All right, Larry, thank you very much. When we come back in just a second here, we'll be joined by Sarah Connor, a homeless woman, to talk about uh, what it's like to be homeless and a woman here in Central Oregon. We are back in the studio on the Wednesday Point on KPOV with Larry Kosovic and Sarah Connor, Kogasek and Sarah Connor. Sarah, welcome, and thank you for joining us today on the Wednesday Point. Thank you for having me. All right, you have uh, faced homelessness and have been living in the streets for many years. Do you mind sharing about the situation and conditions that led you to become homeless? Uh, personally, mine was uh, codependency and... For many years, I was in relationships, and then when my last relationship fell through, I couldn't afford to live by myself anymore and pay all the bills. Um, so that ultimately led me to get an eviction notice, which then led me to being homeless. Because And then I couldn't get another place because of the eviction notice, so for two years or something, I have 
had to kind of tough it out. And so that's what, how I ended up homeless. I didn't realize that, you know, one eviction notice. I know that, like, if you if you have, like, one record, one eviction notice, it just messes up your potential of finding another place to live. Yeah, and, well, for 15 years, too, I had, like, flawless rental history. So this one eviction notice, like, really made it hard for me to find another place for, well, they, they said two years on most applications that they don't really consider anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in earlier connections that we've had, other communication from you as we prepared for this interview, y- you mentioned that you had a lot of concerns about stereotyping and the feelings of being judged and criticizing. And and I'm wondering if you don't mind talking about this a little bit, because I think, like, I know that I am missing some cues sometimes, and I can be misread. And I think you can help us work through this as you see and face negative reactions from people. What can we do differently? And we'll be talking about this throughout our conversation this morning. Okay, yeah. No, um, I a lot of my discrimination, I feel, it comes with my backpack, I feel like when I wear my backpack, people do judge me and they look at me like I'm filthy, a drug addict. Uh, they they come up with lots of different negative images of like what homeless person is like. Do they say that to you, or is this a is this something that you just kind of sense from them? Uh, I pick it up a lot. There's um, times that people have screamed at me, get a job, you Aww. know, and uh, just the snickers. You can hear people talk up be- under their breath, and I'm always looked at like I'm like a thief, like I'm going to steal from them. I walk into stores, like I barely can use bathrooms anywhere because they think I'm going to use drugs or something in the bathroom, and so it's just it's a constant battle, like just walking into a store without being looked at like I'm going to steal from them. Huh. You know, I think about myself, you know, and I'm I'm wondering, it could it be because of different times of day? Because if you walked in, I don't have a store, but if you walked in here to use the bathroom, you could be me, except you're a little younger, way yeah. younger. Yeah. I, I'm just saying typically, because I know when I wear my backpack, this is how I get treated. Uh-huh. And people will s- stand outside the bathroom and then pound on the door, like after I'm only in there for like a minute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do not get that kind of treatment when I walk in with a purse. If I walk in with a purse, uh, I get greeted with welcome, you know, and just I don't have people's listening outside the bathroom and just odd behaviors, you know, that I didn't realize were really going to be part of it. Hmm. So you've listed a few, but I know you mentioned uh, someone who's homeless. You face many trials living on the streets. Um, related to safety, personal care, that sort of thing, um, having a, a place to take a shower. What obstacles um, have you faced? That, and what are the obstacles out there that prevent people from moving out of homelessness? Uh, a lot of it is the, well, camping. Camping has been a hard one. And 
just finding a spot that you can stay that you feel safe is a struggle especially as a woman you know like and i'm scared of the dark so uh mm-hmm. it's frustrating for me when an officer says go out to blm land you know and it's like that's eight miles out of town and i don't own a car so i'm expected to walk or ride my bike out eight miles out of town into the dark <laughs> to camp by myself like that's ridiculous there's no way i was going to do that um i've also had lots of other struggles the timing for showers and to eat sometimes it contradicts with my work schedule and it just makes it difficult um yeah, because you are working. You've mentioned that you are working. So here you are, and you, you're facing the challenge of being homeless. You don't have a place to live. You're working. And then someone says, go out to the BLM land, and it's, you know, February 1st, and it's dark. What, what are your working hours? Yeah, uh, I usually work evenings because I work a janitorial service. Wow. But um, like last night, I didn't get off till midnight. So to even if there was snow on the ground like i couldn't imagine walking eight miles out of town in the snow to go camp somewhere (laughs) by myself again like there's no way um it does interfere with my dinners and stuff that i have scheduled to use for my resources to eat and stuff but um yeah uh i know bruce has mentioned your personal safety and thievery and so how do you keep your the minimal belongings that you probably have? How do you ensure that they're not taken from you? Oh, belongings. Well, that's pretty much what's in our backpack is usually things that we don't want stolen, that we don't feel comfortable leaving at our camps. Like we all have something that, you know, we need to survive or, you know, we have our knives or whatever ropes um electronics or phones stuff like that we can't leave those at camp like chances are somebody if you are camping in town somebody's going to come in and steal it from you and so um my belongings i I, people though you can't get attached to things Mm. you know and i think all of us have learned to just not get attached to something because i have lost everything i've had since when i first went homeless like I don't have anything from then. (laughs) You just got to rebuild yourself back up. And I've had whole camps wiped out multiple times, like people stealing them, ODOT cleaning them up or whatever the case is. Like I've lost a lot of things and it does make it hard to, you know, build back up. And I know one of the things you mentioned in some of some of our earlier conversations is interactions with, uh, with the authorities. Um, Is it difficult are even possible to go to the authorities if something is stolen from you or you're the the victim of some kind of crime uh i wouldn't <laughs> uh, that's just a personal choice though uh you no, wouldn't I, is I, why you- I wouldn't i just because i have to live with these people out here on the street and you know when you talk to the police instantly you are labeled a rat and then it makes it even harder for you out there and then people will single you out even more and so it's just typically something you just got to suck up and, you know, protect yourself from uh, it happening the next time. So it's a, I'm seeing a vicious circle that goes on. Here, the very few things that you have, if they're taken, you can't rely on what 
but people who are more integrated, I guess, into the community are able to rely on the police. They call the police, but but the police, you don't see them as a benefit or a safety net no. for you in any way. No, if anything, I always kind of felt like um, our law enforcement singles us out and almost picks on us more. I've never dealt with the police more since being homeless as I did, you know, 15 years of living out on my own before that. Hmm. Like they just see this backpack and then all, all of a sudden I'm labeled as this criminal um, and I'm up to no good. Uh, my camps are, every time they walk up, they're like, well, you know, you're criminal trespassing, right? And I have gotten a criminal trespassing too on my record now. And I'm not a felon. I'm not, I'm not a criminal, you know, I'm just trying to camp in city limits. And because I didn't move fast enough t- to their liking, I got stuck with a criminal trespassing. And so I know ultimately that's going to, play part in beginning a place later on you know and so it's they're making it harder for people out here i think and just hoping to sweep us under the rug and it's just we're not going to go anywhere like that's not how you're going to solve anything i understand i understand you have children in school do they live with you um they do not i was a stay-at-home mom for 13 years and i did have uh custody of my kids during this time When I went homeless, I was still fighting to have custody of my daughter, and uh, ultimately I did lose custody because of my living situation, and which uh, my children, that's a really hard subject for me. There's a lot of emotional, you know, behind that, but um, my son's 15, and he lives with his dad here in town, and uh, my daughter has just turned 11. And she lives in Sisters with her dad. And uh, I see him every other weekend. And uh, extra holidays and, you know, spring break and Christmas break and stuff like that. So, How has homelessness impacted your sense of family? Do you, Have you bonded with others in your camp? Oh, yeah. No, it would definitely. I, I have a lot of uh, street brothers out there, you know, a lot of people that do look out for me and um, that have helped me through this and helped me gain a lot of knowledge of how to live out here, you know, and um, I love a lot of them, you know. So it's, it's, they're, they're not all bad people. They're like, as you are not a bad person. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. And can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of your thoughts on what the community can do to help people who are homeless? Um, well, my first first thing I want to say is like if you're if you're not going to help at least don't hurt us, you know? Like I it's hard just dealing with this. I don't need people making me feel less of a person because of it, you know? Um the like just trying to find a bathroom to use or anything is just um hard and it's a struggle and it's just like those little things like just being welcoming and nice like go a long way. Um Well, you're doing great. Right. You, you, you really are. We're really, really honored to have you here with us. Yes. Um, what would, uh, you know, you know, Larry and a lot of people are working on trying to establish, you know, a, a formal, I guess, homeless camp. What would that mean to you? It would mean a lot. It, it would make a huge difference because I, I, 
I've been homeless now two years and eight months, and I have moved camp 26 times. So roughly, I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah, and that's so that's roughly every month I'm moving camp, and I don't know where the next camp's going to be. I can't go back to the places that I've been, and or I'll get criminal trespassing. So finding a camp is just the biggest struggle, and to hide it too is even more of a struggle. And I have been so exhausted moving camp before, like my legs were shaking. I was just like spent. There was, I was crawling on the ground pretty much because it was so mm-hmm. exhausting to do it by myself. Um, it just, it would make things a lot easier just having a, a spot too that I felt safe. You know, there's so many times I had safe spots that I had to move from and, you know, so disappointing because it's like, man, I, I felt secure and safe there. Like, and I never know if the next spot is going to be that way or not, you know? So, I mean, I've moved into spots that ended up having people around that I really didn't want around, you know, that would, you know, violate my area and just creep on my spots and just make me feel uncomfortable. And mm. it makes it hard. You you mentioned earlier uh, that it's even harder for women on the streets than men. Can you give us more specifics about that? Um, well, like when I first went homeless, we didn't have a women's shepherd's house, you know, so there was really no homeless shelter for women. Um, it's the same, like at the shepherd's house, you can go there for emergency, like stay in the night for a couple days. Uh, women don't have that opportunity. And that makes it, you know, ch- even more challenging because then, okay, what if it's really cold out or somebody stole my tent and I have nowhere to go? Like, I don't have that option like the men do. Um, also, showers and stuff, like, that's that's always been a hard one for me because uh, at the shepherd's house, they need a woman there working. And so not as many days are offered to the women as the men for showers. And, you know, personal hygiene is important. <laughs> And it's, it's super hard out here to, like, just keep clean. And then I get dirty looks if I'm using the sink at a bathroom, you know. Mm. <laughs> so it's just, uh, I've like, last summer I spent many nights and days, like, showering in the canal. <laughs> Cold. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if you just tuned in, we're listening, we're talking with Sarah Connor, um, who's been homeless for a couple of years. And we're looking at solutions and ways that we can support this community that exists that can't be shuffled under the carpet, as you said before. So, yeah, Bruce. I just wanted to, to say, Sarah, we're, we're coming towards the end of our show here, but is there anything else that you would like to say or, or like for our community to know? Um, I, I think a emergency setup would be nice. Uh, you know, like one of those super hardships that I had the first winter I was out was I came back to my spot where I had my camp and my tarp, uh, and it was taken. And it was ice rain, and it was super, super cold. And I was scared. Like, I didn't know uh, how I was going to make it through the night. And I panicked, and I just started jumping in dumpsters, and I ripped out plastic, cardboard, bubble wrap. And I ended up making my own little, like, hut right behind, like, blockbuster and it was probably like coffin size but i built in this big plastic bag and just lined it with um cardboard then bubble wrap and then more cardboard and then braced it with tent poles and i stayed in that thing all winter long 
But um, a lot of people, they just, they don't, I don't know the knowledge, the intelligence or what disabilities they may be lacking, but not everybody has that ambition out there. And um, there's many nights I could have died and I could see, and people do die. And that's something to always keep in mind. Like, you probably don't hear about it very much, but people do lose their life out there and it is cold and you know, to have an emergency place where, you know, s- somebody stole your tent and you got nowhere to go and it's ice rain, like, to go. Hmm. And in our society, we know need people dying from being homeless. Wow. No, it's, it's, well, it's outrageous that it can happen in a society with so much plenty. Um, thank you so much, Sarah Connor, for thank joining you. us on The Point. We really appreciate your, your insights and your courage to, to come in and, and talk with us.